passage of scripture that Cindy just read to you is a heart of a passage that is a much longer passage, the context of which is everything for this meaning. That's not unusual in scripture, and so it's certainly not unusual in this particular case. John 14, 15, 16, and 17 are vivid expressions of Jesus' last hours with the disciples. A time when he has a particular ministry going on that he was committed to. Because as he told in John the 13th chapter, verses 36 and following, he was going to be leaving. And Peter asked him the question, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus told him, where I am going, you cannot now follow. Keyword now. You cannot now follow. It goes on in chapter 14 to introduce and go further into that topic. To start preparing them to be ready for his departure. And he tells them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He goes on to say, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And later on, I'll be receiving you to myself so that where I, I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Much more is said in that passage, but it's all toward moving the disciples toward that moment when he's going to leave. They knew they were about to experience in some kind of way, although they couldn't really grasp it fully at that point, what it was going to be like to have lived with Jesus for these three years to suddenly have him be gone from their presence. And so he was getting them ready for that event. How important is that to people? To help others get ready for the time when they might be left behind. Being left behind is a common earthly experience in many different kinds of ways if we let our minds absorb it. And I think, in fact, this passage, while it is about the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was going to send, it also undergirds the reality of what was happening to the disciples. The power of this text is the idea that we are left behind at some point in our lives and the disciples need to be ready for that to happen. I don't know that we do a very good job of getting people ready for life's realities, especially those final realities. It's important that we do. Let me see that picture again, Laura. Can I see that picture again? Let me see that picture. Yeah. I do not want June Elizabeth to grow up and not understand that there will come a time, if nature takes its normal course, when I will leave and leave her behind. I do not want her to be afraid or filled with fear at the thought that I'm going to be gone someday. But the, the reason that depends upon me so much is that I have to prepare her for that event, along with her mother and father, of course. But being a grandfather, you know, you think you have to do most of the heavy lifting, right? Because I don't want her to be like I was when I was a teenage boy raised in a good Presbyterian home where we thought more than we talked. And so therefore, when my uncle had a stroke, it was unlike the uncle I'd ever known, my, my father's oldest brother. My father was next to the youngest of seven. He finally died after a miserable six or seven or eight months in state hospitals and other places that's where people went in those days. I remember the pain that it caused all of us. I remember watching my dad be upset and even cry to 
some sharp moment where he says, this is not my dad, my dad just didn't do that. It was three months to the day, however, when almost, when I got this call to come to my grandparents' house because Papa had gone to the hospital. When I got there, my daddy came out into the yard more upset than I ever saw him then or ever would again at the loss of his father, who was 84. Had been the picture of health even in those days. And we all believed, and I still believe to this day, that he died of heartbreak at losing his son. But what I also had to experience was that I was not ready for Papa, which is what I call him, to be gone. Papa lived a short walk down the, down the Beltline Road, which was in out in the country in Garland. And I walked down that ditch, I don't know how many times I rode my bike down that ditch to spend time with Papa and, and the dog. The big uh, Alaska Husky out under the mimosa tree, where we, he would twiddle, chew tobacco and spit, and mumble to me all the time, calling me Doogie, making sure that dinner was prepared and lunch was prepared just right for me, which meant mashed potatoes and more mashed potatoes. And there was always mashed potatoes. And when we would get to the kitchen, any of the girls who were two of his daughters that never married, and not and Fanny, my grandmother, and not prepared mashed potatoes, he said, Doogie's here, get the potatoes ready. I still hear you saying that. But when I was left behind, I was not ready for that moment. Nobody had talked to me about the realities of life and death, although I had begun to experience them, and although I was a young teenager, nobody had ever explained to me what that would be like, or that I would survive it, or how to even go forward. I remember for a long time, years afterward, I would long to hear the voice of my grandfather when he would speak. I would get his picture of his face in my mind and I would just dwell on it. I was, was not ready to go on. I just was not ready to be left behind. I don't suggest that is a good way to leave your children or your grandchildren in terms of life and death. Rather, I suggest that you teach them that being left behind is a natural and normal part of the life we live, oftentimes. Not always. Sometimes children die before their parents. That's not normal. It's not even natural to parents or to uh, children, but it does happen. But there are many places and times in life where we're going to be left behind. And if we're not prepared for it, if we're not ready to handle it well, we'll probably handle it poorly. Jesus knew he was about to leave the disciples behind. He wanted them to be prepared because there was a task they had to do that was being prepared for them and that they had been prepared for. They would need to make a conscious decision to not be afraid but to be, but to be faithful, to believe in the things that Jesus had taught them. Now, I know that left behind is not an original statement. In fact, it got really popularized in 1995 when the book series came out, uh, written by Tim LaHaye and another guy whose name I failed to mention, not, no disrespect meant to him, but LaHaye always seemed to get the headlines on that book series, Left Behind. And you know, even though theologically in 1995 I wasn't ready for all that Left Behind meant, that premillennial understanding of the rapture and the end of the world what was pretty scary for me. But I love those books. And I had preachers say, you're reading that? 
and I would say just every word in every book because it was exciting and whether it's true or not I have the faintest of clue in terms of all that they said in all those books but it was biblical it did use biblical references and it was plausible it was the first time somebody had made me believe that the rapture could occur and seem a lot more normal than I'd ever imagined before It can also be true at the times of separation or being left behind by death that it can be a lot more natural than we'd ever imagined before if we'd been prepared for it, right? Talk to people. I've been talking to people for a long time now. Seems like forever. It's only been 38 or 39 years. But who's counting, right? But I've seen it over and over again in couples, especially when one dies, is gone. But it's normal for that person to feel left behind and to wonder why. I've heard it from the lips of countless people who've reached into their 90s and they often express it in words. I don't know why I'm still here. I don't get it. I don't know why I'm left behind. Why doesn't Jesus take me home? I'm not good for almost anything. But they are. But that feeling of left behind can, can approach us in much more intimate ways and also much more simple ways than death. I can remember... I could call his name, but I won't. A little too close uh, in terms of somebody I actually know him. But I remember a young man whose name in my mind always meant Homer. He was a Homer boy. And what I meant by that was he is a, also, I call him a townie. A townie, to me, in a small town meant you were raised there and you were still there when you should have left a long time ago. You are still acting like you acted when you were 16, circling the Dairy Queen, but you're 34. It's not cool anymore to be circling the Dairy Queen in the town of 2000 when you're 34. It wasn't cool for this guy, but he never left. He'd never grown up. He had been left behind by his teammates who had all gone on to careers and other places, to college and marriage and having children. And there he was, left behind. Maybe you see it in the company where you're working and you're struggling with being left behind in your company. Other people are getting promotions, other people are moving on, and there you sit, you're wondering, what's wrong here? This picture is not good, I'm being left behind. Maybe you're about to raise, take your kindergarten to the first big school. You know, kindergarten is pretty sweet for children. When they go to the first grade, sweet's over, right? <laughs> I hope there's no first graders left in the congregation or about to <laughs> But when mothers leave that building, from the time they're two to the time they're about six, by about six, they're like, okay, go. But for two six, they're like leaving their child behind at that school with those people. You know, they come out crying more than their child is. And that means a pastor with a decision to make. Do you comfort the child who's already being comforted? Do you comfort the mother? Or do you just hide? <laughs> Hiding is not a bad option. What are you going to say? Go back and get your child? No, you got to live through it. you got to keep on going. It's time for you to leave your child behind. It's time for them to go to school. I felt a little behind lately in ministry, and I caught myself thinking about it. I started to kind of get agitated. Most of the people I do ministry with most of my life either become bishop or else they had retired. And I'm like, what is this? I can get left behind. And then I watched them live their retirement life, and I thought, it's not so bad being left behind. I like to work. I like to serve. But it felt weird that the people you'd been in college with for so long were retiring and moving on. And you were still doing what you've been doing for 35 plus years. It feels a little weird. But, you know, 
like coming home to a perfectly quiet house. Nobody's there. I might have been left behind while everybody's celebrating in Tyler, Tyler, but you know it's not so bad. It's kind of quiet. Uh, nobody's telling me what to eat or when to go to bed. Cindy's calling and telling me it's time to go to work. I get that. But leaving some things behind us, sometimes can be a good thing. But what are we going to do to prepare people to get ready for it? To get ready to be left behind? Well, I think there are things we can do. First of all, we need to tell them to accept the situation and to keep on living into it. Don't think you can escape it because you cannot. Just accept it, but keep moving forward. Normally in the general direction you've been moving first. Because keeping continuity and some kind of sameness to the quality of life and the way you've been living is important in times of stress when you're feeling left behind. Don't make any big decisions, we often tell people. When they've lost loved ones, especially when it's been a surprise, when they get to thinking, maybe I need to do this, or maybe I need to do that, and it's totally opposite from what they've been doing for a lot of years. You say, why don't we wait a while? Let's think about it. Let's give it time to get used to being left behind before we make major decisions. But then after that, it comes time to, to analyze what's happened. We have to ask ourselves hard questions, and we have to be objective about it. I've been left behind, so what was I doing that perhaps caused me to be left behind? Or not doing that caused me to be left behind? Or was it simply something that God was doing, or it's the normal turn of life? And I should take it that way. If we don't stop to think about it and decide, we can be confused. I've seen people sometimes when they were trying to mourn the death of a 95-year-old saint who had been hospitalized for three weeks. And they were still hanging by the bedside, not wanting grandmama to die. And I said, what's the matter with you? She's trying to die. She's trying to get out of here. She's ready to get her new body. You want to pray for her? I asked her. Let's pray for her to relax and go to Jesus. And she looked at me with horror in her face. And to her young pastor, she said, are you crazy? That's what she said with her look, not with the words. And I explained to her what I learned in seminary. <laughs> She may be waiting for you to give her permission. And she said, yeah, if we tell her that, she might just die. <laughs> Duh! She's 95, can't speak. She's been in the fetal position for two weeks. Her body won't give up because you won't release her. And she said, no, we're not going to today either. I said, okay. Got my, got, I got my calling. Go back and study some more. <laughs> she was not ready for Grandma to, not, to, to leave the service. She was not prepared. If she had thought about it, she would be giving God praise and thanksgiving for the beautiful years this person had had and said, you know, it's obviously time for her to get a new body and start over again in a kind of real way. It's normal and natural. I wish somebody had to help me know that in a clearer way before my grandfather died. So I try to be clear and honest with people in appropriate times to get them to analyze what's going on. Sometimes we do do things that cause us to leave but get left behind. We don't finish our school. We get stuck in old relationships that have died and we won't go on to new ones. It happens. Sometimes we get in a vocation and we won't listen and do the things we should do in order for us to move ahead. We just get stuck there because of our own willfulness. So there are things that we need to do as we analyze our lives and the situations to determine what's actually going on. And oftentimes we can't do it by ourselves, can we? Oftentimes when we're trying to analyze these situations, 
We can't even learn from what's been going on because we're so stuck there. We need an outside person. Or in terms of the scripture, Jesus said, I'm going to leave you an advocate, a counselor. I'm going to leave you my own spirit in this person. The Father's going to send you when I leave. Who's going to come and lead you into the truth. Who's going to come and comfort you. Who's going to come and teach you. Who's going to come and help you remember. So that you can go on with your life. Because if we're still living, Jesus wants us to go on. Despite whatever situation we may have temporarily left us behind. So when we think about this text today, and we think about coming to this table to remember the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we need to remember that we have been left behind by the Savior. He has gone on to be with us, the Father. And it was right that He should do that. And in His leaving, He also said to us, through the disciples, that now they would do greater things than He would do. That's in the Gospel of John right there too. And I'm sure they were blown away. How could I possibly do greater things than this person that I've watched for these almost three years who have done so many miraculous things? How could I possibly do that? That's what Jesus said. He said, I'm leaving. You cannot follow now, but you will someday. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you know the way where I'm going. Fulfill your calling. Live your life. And we will be together again. So wherever you are today, in whatever place you are in life, perhaps you feel like you're leading the pack. That's great. But perhaps you're feeling left behind. Perhaps you've had a loss that you're struggling to get beyond. Perhaps there's a sense in your life in which you need to go on. You need to make up judgment. Maybe you need a counselor to help you. You need to talk to a trusted friend. You need to see a pastor. You need to see a counselor so that you can move on. Don't be stuck, I think it could be another title of a sermon for this passage of Scripture. Don't be stuck and get left behind. Move on with your life. Because life is interactive. And Jesus is always calling us forward. I'm calling you forward now to come to this table. It's not our table. It's not the church's table. It's the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. And anyone who wishes to come in fellowship with Him is welcome to come and receive as the ushers give guidance. First, let us examine our lives, our hearts, and ask God to forgive us of our sins and prepare us for communion with our Savior. Let us pray.